KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I would imagine... I thought we were going to talk about Drexel. This is very, very introspective here. (laughs) We're going to leave this conversation. I'm going to write you a check. This is like a therapy session. And our guest this week, Drexel University men's basketball coach, Zach Spiker. Getting ready for his fourth season with the Dragons. Coach, thanks for coming in. Hey, man. How you doing? Great to be here. As we're talking here, it's end of September, early October. How excited are you for 2019-2020? I just think every year you get to this time of year. I don't know how, as a coach and as a you know someone who's around young people and a mentor to you know to help young people reach their goals. I don't know how you couldn't be excited. I mean, we're just we're fired up. You know, we're kind of first week of really getting things up and running, and we couldn't be more excited for the season to start. So I mentioned your fourth season. Wins and losses aside, have the first three been about? what you thought when you took the job here at Drexel? I think the short answer would be no. You, you want to have as much success as you can every single year. Uh, I think some of those years we've uh, we've we've maxed out the potential, and the other times I think we've left some on the table, and that's frustrating. So you want to do the absolute best you can um, for the older guys that that's their last go-round and, and for everybody. So no, we got to be better, and uh, we want to be, and, and I think we will be this year. Going along with that, before we kind of get into your story, what gets you excited about the team you've put together for this season? Well, I think this year um, it's a group that uh, and we've only added two new bodies. So a lot of the guys that have been here for at least their second year, if they've played a lot as freshmen, or their third and fourth year, depending on where they are academically. And I think for the most part we've got a group that I don't think we're speaking anything new except the two new guys, and they've been here for part of the summer and are coming up to speed pretty quickly. So it's just been nice to have a little bit of continuity, and um, that's been harder to to really establish and have some consistency. But uh, we are fortunate to go into year four uh, with the exact same coaching staff, which I think is unique and different uh, for uh, a school at our level. And also, uh, you know, we've had very few transfers, and we're fortunate for that. So has coaching always been on your radar? Let me start before that. Has basketball always been a part of your life? Going back to growing up, you grew up in Morgantown, West Virginia. Yeah, it has been. It has been. Um, you know, college athletics is, is something that um, my, my brother and sister were, were exposed to at a very young age um, because of what my father did. Uh, and what my mother allowed us to be around. So uh, my dad was an athletic trainer uh, with the football team at West Virginia University. So uh, or that was his stop when we were there, but it had been other places, North Carolina Pitt. We saw athletics up close and personal a lot, whether it was football or basketball, baseball or women's soccer, whatever it may be. And um, I can tell you more about the women's soccer piece later on. It's got a pretty integral part to uh, my personal journey. Uh, but yes, it's always been there. I mean, just uh, so many memories growing up, going to um, West Virginia basketball games, West Virginia football games. And we talk about a lot of times early on when I first got here, you know, why Philadelphia? Well, I just have such memories of the Atlantic 10 tournament in the Palestra, those great West Virginia Temple games, Mark Macon and Coach Cheney, those well-coached teams coming into Morgantown, you know, number one in the nation, sold out, and just so... 
um, yes, basketball has been a significant part of my personal life for a very, very long time. Dad's an athletic trainer, and you get, you know, kind of that front row seat to big time college athletics. I mean, it's funny you say front row seat. I, I don't know if it was by maybe by default, just when you, you know, I'm the youngest of three, and everyone's else got other activities, whether it's my sister involved and band or, or my brother doing different things football practice in essence at time might have been uh, the cheapest form of daycare <laughs> right now <laughs> go with your father and watch football today. <laughs> so, um, so did but at a young age did you kind of realize how special and unusual what you were getting the chance to see or is it just I'm um, with dad and this is life yeah uh, no no I think it wasn't until you go away from college and you know, you're at Ithaca College, which is a smaller Division three school, and there's a football game, and I'm kind of like trying to, hey, this is going to be great. What time are we getting up? When are we going to, you know? And, mm-hmm. and people are like, what are you talking about, right? Like, <laughs> a little different not, world. Game's not till noon. I was like, I know. we got to get to the parking lot, right, and get get the food going on the grill and start tailgating. They're like, they look at you like you have six eyes. <laughs> yeah, we're going at 7.30, right? We're going in like, what are you talking about? So, um, yeah, that was when I kind of realized, okay, maybe maybe where I grew up and what I was exposed to might have been a little bit different <laughs> than everybody else. So you mentioned women's soccer at West Virginia. and the uh, tell, tell me about that. What's the, What is that path? Uh, when I was at West Virginia working for Coach Beeline uh, in just a staff support role, helping – Manage his calendar and keeping him able to focus on the basketball piece and kind of deflecting other areas. What it allowed me to do, it gave me great access to one of the best coaches in our game. And uh, I was able to spend so many hours around him to help assist him be effective, but also learn a lot at the same time. And some of it was had to take a little bit of initiative and do some things, but had access to every film session, had access to every practice, had access to taking Coach Beeline to clinics to speak. So you're driving him to Columbus, Ohio, and you got four hours in the car. Um, I did at that time. I knew those things were special. You know, you talk about growing up and going away. Did you realize how unique it was? I didn't. But when I was there uh, with Coach Beeline uh, that second time around through West Virginia, I, I 100% knew I was with someone who was really talented, and it was just trying to soak it all in. But – in the meantime, we're professional. I was really excited. I had no idea um, I was going to meet my wife, the love of my life, and, and fall in love right there with her. And she was an assistant soccer coach, so uh, became a big women's soccer fan <laughs> in that process. How difficult is it at that point in your career, where it is a tough? It's a tough career as a young coach, it's, financially it's, stuff like that, and yeah. you fall in love at yeah that. That's tough at that time just from because trying to make life decisions based on what you're making and what your responsibilities are at that time. I think I still owe her money. (laughs) She paid for most of the dates. (laughs) Uh, You know what? It's it's how it should be, honestly. Um, You make decisions, I think, until children are involved and maybe even um, it should be most of the time. Uh, you should follow your heart, follow your heart, and follow your passion. And uh, you know, I, I was I was there because I wanted to learn from one of the best and had access. And if it meant uh, taking a staff position instead of being an assistant coach, quote on the road, moving around and recruiting, kind of made that bet that that this is going to pay off some way or another. And, and fortunately, it did. But um, 
it allowed um, for, for me to see things through a different lens, you know, and to have, you know, that was years three and four out of college. Years one and two were in South Carolina at Winthrop University with Coach Greg Marshall. So to be able to compare and contrast Greg Marshall, how he did things, and Coach Beal how he did things, and then have the chance to be with Coach Donahue, three different personalities and three guys that have all taken teams to the tournament and all made deep runs in March. So it, it was, back to your question, it was just following your heart and following your passion and, and you know, thankful to have met someone who shared that same thing and in the process just with a different sport and Jen. Reading up on you, it seems like your coaching career kind of started during your playing career when you were at Ithaca College because you kind of became the, if I'm, you know, read it correctly, not the go-between between the head coach and some players, but kind of the guy that maybe translated what he wanted for some players that maybe weren't quite catching what he was trying to get them to do or wanted them to do. It's, that's probably appropriate. I mean, the, the short answer was I wasn't going to play much more. Um, the minutes weren't there as a basketball player, but I still loved the game and, and thought there was, you know, something I really wanted to do. So uh, I just threw myself in to be around whatever the role was, and, and maybe it ended up evolving into having a little more value than I think what Coach Mullins had thought at the time. But um, that was it was it was done. Uh, I knew very quickly. Um, you said at a young age, but I, even in the process where, okay, I'm going to graduate with this degree in communications and what am I going to do? And it was, by that point in time, I was probably not attending all my classes because I was going on a recruiting trip or scouting other teams. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I don't know if there's a ton of people that are senior in college going into the basketball office and asking what recruits you can call. And uh, that's exactly what was going on. Sherry Dobbs was an assistant coach there, and he was kind enough to say, hey, if this is what you want to do, um, here's a couple kids you can call. And um, I remember doing that. I remember going down to Maryland to watch guys play. Um, you remember the, the name of the first recruit that I had called in that situation. He was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that, was, that was an amazing opportunity um, that, was, that was fortunate. And it was, you know... It, Coach B and I would, would say, and I heard it all the time, and you go back and it was it's it's useful then and useful now, he would say necessity is the father of invention, right? Um, it's really, you know, Plato, the philosopher, said necessity is the mother of invention. But we all know that Plato's wrong and Coach Beeline's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the, you know, that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I want to be involved and be around the game, that was the that was one of the steps in the path to take, and uh, I wasn't going to sit and, and feel sorry for myself because the skill set wasn't there to add value on the floor. I was going to find a way to be around and be a part of it. And uh, we had great success that year, and, and that started something special. And it's really, it really seems like you were mature beyond your years for that because, you know, the competitive nature of players and stuff like that and think, well, I'm going to find a way, I'm going to find a way. You're very pragmatic, like, listen, this is what it is, and this is an opportunity. Was it that smooth in your mind as a 19, 20, 21-year-old? No, I, I don't think so. Um, when you're young, there's always emotion involved. Uh, I, I, you can look back in hindsight and be more uh, pragmatic about it, but uh, at, at the time, no, you're, you're, you want to you wanna give all you can to max out everything you can. and So it was tough, but, uh, you know, I, I think... 
you got some really close friends and people around you at the time and say, hey, man, this this stinks. Um, but you got about 24 hours, and then you got to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that was special advice from some college roommates who um, I've, you know, value to this day. And uh, I remember those guys saying that, and like, we hate this for you. But you're not going to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. And uh, no, this, that was impactful. Now, when you're at Ithaca, in addition to the basketball, you were majoring in broadcast journalism, correct? Yes. So what was, from that standpoint, what was your thinking at 17, 18, 19? What did you want to do? Or was that just something that interests me and I'll figure it out later? (laughs) Uh, I, I was, having grown up where we did, I just knew I wanted to be around college athletics. I wanted to be around sports. You know, maybe it was going to be sports information. Maybe it was going to be broadcasting. Maybe it was going to be play-by-play. I, I didn't know. But uh, that was the direction at the time. But, you know, I think that there was always uh, an itch at a younger age to, to get into coaching. And, you know, and I can remember going to watch games and watching the visiting team warm up and, you know, how they would do things differently or what was going on. And, and so you always just, you loved watching that. So I think that that, early on that that seed was planted and took a little while for it to really, you know, take root. But uh, I loved my opportunity academically there. But um, like I said, I just kind of followed my heart once graduation day came. And I think early on that my parents probably wondered, like, what's going on here? You really good degree. This is what you're going to do, what you could do. And uh, I remember my dad saying, well, you got this little itch here and, you know, it was like in the back of my mind, it's not, it's not an itch. <laughs> we're going to do this, but uh, I understood what he was saying, and uh, you know, we've been very fortunate and thankful that it's that it's worked out and able to you know provide for our family and do it. And, and really, I think the goal is to impact young men. You know, it's not about um, how many games can you win; it's how many people can you impact through their college experience, like people took the time to help a young coach and a young player like myself. And uh, can we do that, you know? And uh, that's that's what's important, and that's what it should be. And I think if you do things in a certain right way and you invest in the young men and their growth and how they evolve, and sure, everyone wants to play and score, but if we can grow these guys to where on graduation day they're a better man and a better person Instead of, hey, when I got here, I couldn't shoot with my left hand from five feet in, and now I'm really good with my left hand. I, I don't think that's the a gist of what we do. It's part of it, and we want to make the player as good as we can, but I think we want to make the person as complete as we can as well. And that's So that's important to us, and, and we've got a staff that reflects that. So you mentioned the first couple stops, um, and then you, you reference you end up with Steve Donahue at Cornell. And you guys have an incredible run of success there. And it's a success with a program that hadn't tasted it in a while. What were those years like when you're helping be a part of building something there? And what were some of the things you learned from Steve Don? He obviously is now a pen that, uh, that, that have been instilled in you still to this day. Yeah. There's so many lessons and, and, and some, some great, you know some stories and some stories that are just hilarious too of the of the the experiences we had. Um, so 
it, what was that like? Um, it was kind of like, um, hey, you're at West Virginia and you're making peanuts and you're you're kind of doing everything that the coaching staff doesn't want to have to deal with and class checks and figuring out eligibility situations and lining up um, cars and plane trips for official visits or if there's a coaching change, organizing all those things. So it was allowing the coaches to coach. And then I knew that's what I wanted to do. So the opportunity to go to Cornell in a volunteer role, um, take a pay cut. But if you're not making much, it's hard to take a pay cut. But right. still take a little bit of a pay cut from West Virginia to um, to do that. Um, it was just like, well, listen, I, I don't know where Cornell's going. I know where they've been, and they hadn't had success in a long time. But it was like, if we can do it here, we can do it anywhere. And uh, it, it was just remember being so excited to have the opportunity to to be on the road and recruit, to be on the floor and take all those notes and all those things from Coach Beyond and really apply them um, in in my own personal coaching scenario. Uh, I was – that's one of the, the happier days to get that phone call from Coach Donahue um, to say that, you know, he was going to go and, you know, give us this opportunity or give me that opportunity at that time. <laughs> I always joke with him, like, you know, the first 29 guys said no – um, because it, you know, it literally, it paid $0 and no benefits. And that's the unique thing about the Ivy League, that third assistant doesn't get paid. Right. And, um, people say, oh, they should, they should. And I don't know if they did, I would never have the opportunities I've had because he would have gone with someone more qualified. So it's a unique perspective on it. But listen, Coach Donahue, to be there and to be with a program that was, was, was climbing, but certainly had not reached anything uh, outside of a winning record in conference play, um, to do the things we did and to, and to know the process and how it was done, um, that was a master's class um, in how to, how to be a young, how to be a coach and, and work with a program and evolve it. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest lessons was you, you, can, you can know your players, but you got to spend more time to know them even more. So even when you think, hey, I've spent enough time, no. Just be around them. And that's something that, you know, I think at times I've gotten away from and other times I need to get back to. But um, that's one of the best lessons I think I learned from Coach Donahue. And, you know, he's a he's a lifelong learner. He's still reading books and doing things and evolving. But uh, it was it was awesome to be around the staff of, you know, Coach Fortier, who's on our staff here at Drexel, Nat Graham, who's the associate coach at Penn. Mm-hmm. I mean, we lived in an office half this size for five years. Yeah. Now we live a mile apart and, you know, our kids are playing the same sports together. So it's amazing how things evolve. But uh, what was your uh, relationship with, with Steve prior to you coming on staff? Had you guys it, crossed it, paths or was no, it just no, it was uh, no, somebody of yeah. knew somebody he and knew Jeff Newbauer and coach Beeline from the, you know, okay. coach Newbauer from an assistant with coach Beeline and then knew coach Beeline when he, was a head coach at Lemoyne and Coach Donnie was an assistant, and then Philly Textile, right? Which was Philly U, and right. now it's Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> so we have to clarify that. But that was that was the only real connection. Again, probably more appealing. I'd go there and work for free, so, right? <laughs> and did it yeah, help though that it was in a town you were familiar with? I do think that helped um, because I, I he didn't need to work. Hey, coach, I, I got it. I'll figure it out. I, I can stay with this person or that person. Um, he never needed to wonder, 
you know, some coaches, hey, how how can you help me with how? Like, I, I just I knew the area, so I think that was a bonus in the process. When along the path, when you're at Cornell, do you start thinking, I feel like I'm ready to run a program? Uh, I I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. Um, I remember being scared, and one of our assistant coaches, Mark Vershaw, who had come on board, I think it was Nat Graham and Mark Vershaw and I, and, and Coach Donahue just came into work every day, almost bouncing up the stairs, and we're on this second floor building overlooking the court, and it was just his energy. And then he'd come in, and we'd talk about practice, and then the conversation would go in so many different tangents, and some basketball, some practice planning, some recruiting, um, some just a different story about what's going on, whether it's sports-related or or just hilarious. And at one point, we had some pretty good players, but I also remember thinking, like, we're having too much fun to to be successful. It was a legitimate thought, like, this is scary. Like, we're laughing this hard. And we were winning games, and we had young guys. and So it, it was a valuable lesson that, like, you can work really hard and have fun and enjoy the process at the same time. And uh, I'm very grateful for that because, um, you know, I had been exposed to some coaches that were really successful but grinded an elite level um, and maybe sometimes didn't always – just so focused, didn't just pause a little bit. And Coach Donahue had a balance of life and, and some things that was really, um, it was it was scary. I was kind of like, man, this is, I'm a little nervous here. And they're like, why are you nervous? Because look how much fun we're having. And like, the other shoe's going to drop. And no, no, you're still working hard. And that was, in, in a weird way, that was a very unique lesson. So. so you eventually get the head coaching job at Army. How does that come together that, Zach Spiker heads to West Point. Oh, I mean, it's, it's such a unique situation and just a very clear blessing that it had that come that way. It was, Matt, literally, um, I went to Chicago to go recruit for Cornell. And uh, Coach Donahue had called. And I think they initially, Kevin Anderson, the AD at Army, had called him to see if he had interest. And we had just won the tournament gone to the tournament two years in a row. We had literally every person back mm-hmm. in our top 10 roster. Um, it was stay healthy and let's schedule our way into a 12-5 game because 12, you know, the likelihood of that upset happening is more right. probable. Um, and we'd set the schedule up. We worked very hard to put it where it needed to be. Um, and this is October, you know, September. I went to Chicago to recruit and he called and Coach Donahue called me and said, look, I have no interest, but I told him they should talk to you. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you nuts? And I said, I'm not really interested either. I think we're going to be really good. And then I went to dinner that night, and I was as I was going to dinner with some friends that were high school coaches, and we were just kind of like a little clinic in Chicago, He, uh, it kind of clicked in like, you might have a chance to interview for a job that, Coach K and Bobby Knight worked at. And it was like, ah, you know what? That'd be pretty neat to say you did that. It's unlikely um, you would have, you know, at this age, be ready for it. But it'd be cool to say you did it. And, um, you know, fast forward and 
things unfolded. I got a call while in Chicago recruiting. Um, 90 minutes later, I found myself in the O'Hare Hilton with my luggage <laughs> in hand and a Cornell basketball shirt polo <laughs> as I was out recruiting. You're passing other coaches that have suits on and prepared for it, and I just kind of went in there, had a conversation, and then two days later got a phone call from the AD who was in the press box of the Army-Iowa State football game and said, we'd like you to come to campus. And um, it evolved quickly. And uh, so it was literally, I didn't even, I thought it was almost a practical joke from Coach Donahue. I thought, uh, well, let me just get the experience to say you did it. And then, you know, it, we, we had some very good fortune and um, to have the opportunity to be chosen to go there. So that's, that's how it happened. You couldn't script it. Uh, I think a lot of coaches um, work really hard and are really prepared for the opportunity. Um, and, and it will come at times, but you never know. And you, 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 can, you just can't plan it. And I would have never said, hey, this is how it's going to happen. And when you try and or- orchestrate those things, it usually doesn't work out. Right. And you just kind of, you know, I was going to see uh, the kid Sullivan at York High School work out at 6 a.m. and was in the North Shore and had to drive down. I was up really early and I was getting breakfast afterwards and got the phone call. So I, you could never say, hey, I want to get into coaching and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go here. I'm going to take the, like, it's just very fortunate. Right. Very and do fortunate. you think the fact that because it kind of came out of nowhere for you that you were basically yourself and, you know, you didn't have time to almost overthink it and stuff like that, that it, that it helped? Yeah, it's possible possible um i probably overthought it for those 90 minutes so um but there probably is a piece of authenticity that that there wasn't time to create but um, i know from that phone call at panera bread (laughs) in chicago to the o'hare hilton that 90 minutes was um you better you better at least get your stuff together and it was called my wife and i said this is gonna happen and she's in New York with uh, our our eight month old son at the time or nine month old son at the time, looking up the administration at Army to say, "Hey, do you, you know, know this? Maybe we've crossed paths in her coaching career mm-hmm. or my coaching career. Someone has been somewhere at the same time, um, and that didn't check out. And then Coach Donahue, um, I was fortunate enough. I think I had the Army scout, so I knew the personnel a little bit. Coach, I said, Coach, this this might happen. So he's got the Army stats up, and he's going through everything. And he said, look, you just got to be aggressive. Go in there and be aggressive. And, you know, I, I was like, all right. <laughs> so um, that's, yeah, to answer your question, maybe maybe that helped because sometimes we can all overthink things. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, I know I can. Yeah, it's in our own program right now. Maybe, you know, we've got all this stuff and, and resources, but maybe just let's make it about our guys and play and keep their minds right and keep moving. What are, when you take over at Army, what are you taking over? Where's the program? Uh, it's a really well-coached program by Jim Cruz and Jim Platt. Um, had done a great job there along with some other assistant coaches and, and Kendrick and Jeff and Chris Hollander had been there a long time. Um, Jim Cruz is you know, a, a Midwestern legend in coaching circles for people that know and get a chance to go there. So it was a veteran team. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we tried to, you know, they hadn't had a winning season in 30 some years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the goal was to get a winning season. The goal was to 
get to the tournament and we just hit the ground and well we got there October 3rd and then when I say we um, the staff the assistant coaching staff stayed intact the only person that changed was me and then um, I remember kind of you know this is not, I, I thought it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and I remember talking to Jen and saying like okay we gotta do this and it was kind of like there wasn't much to talk about in terms of if you if you want to be a coach, you got to take this opportunity. Good, bad, good job, bad job, hard job. Mm-hmm. You know, the last five coaches have been fired. Is this a risk? Yeah, but let's do it. And uh, it's almost unfair to to her. And like, you're like, all right, um, I got to go. <laughs> the season starts in ten days, and I've got to get to know this group and spend as much time as I can around them. Um, if you don't mind, could you continue to raise our nine-month-old son, our first child, totally by yourself? And can you sell the house, but also pack up everything else and move down? <laughs> and uh, even saying that right now, how ludicrous does that sound to put someone in that situation? And uh, a lot of help from both sides of our family in that process, but um, it was still very difficult. And she was able to pull it off and came down just before Christmas. So I had a you know a month and a half or whatever, living in a hotel and then moving into the house kind of on my own. I think a couple of weekend trips. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Right. It was crazy, but it was, you know, another one. And hey, this is really hard. Um, no one has had success recently there. Um, but if you're going to have a chance to be head coach, if you can, <laughs> there's this common thing. If you can do it there, you can do it right. anywhere. And it was kind of the same thing from Cornell. And so I just jump all in. What was the, I would imagine, coaching... I thought we were going to talk about Drexel. This is very, very introspective here. <laughs> we're going to leave this conversation. I'm going to write you a check if this is like a therapy session. <laughs> Time to take a break on one-on-one. We will have more with Drexel men's basketball coach Zach Spiker right after this. When we're out of time to give you the backstory, there's Scroll Down, the new podcast from KYW. Quality pre-K programs, not just ones that provide daycare. Case is, is three years old now, but we have not forgotten. And at the very end, I gave her a hug. I was in tears, and she whispered in my ear, everything I told you, it was a thousand times worse. What you didn't hear on air, from the KYW team ready to tell all. Search Scroll Down on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we are back with Drexel men's basketball coach Zach Spiker on one-on-one. What were the challenges? I would imagine there are challenges at service academies that being a coach that you don't face at other institutions. Number one, is that true? And number two, if it is, how did you deal with that? I think there's challenges everywhere. Um, I think there's challenges at what people would perceive to be the most elite levels of college basketball. I think there's challenges at um, places like Wichita State. And I think there's challenges at uh, mid-major levels. And I think there's challenges at lower level. And, and they're different scenarios. We have to do with expectations, have to do with budget, have to do with recent performance, have to do with um, location, whatever it may be. I think every school, every opportunity has its challenges. If, if you focus on the hard part or the challenges or what can't be done, um, you're probably not going to figure it out. I think you just got to have a little bit of mental agility and say, this is, hey, this, this might be a challenge, but it's an opportunity to do it this way. And let's see, see how it works. 
And at this in the situation at Army, um, sure, we, we failed forward a lot. Hey, let's try this. Well, it didn't work. But like, there was no harm in trying because of the history of, of things hadn't worked out for a lot of people and a lot of scenarios. So we tried to learn from that and tried to talk to almost every coach that had been there um, prior to my time that hadn't had success. And, and some of those phone calls um, were just so um, helpful and people were so, that, that was something really humbling was to talk to certain people that had been coaches there. And it was, it was, they, I didn't know them at all but you were kind of became part of their, not family, but they could understand mm-hmm. what I was going through. And, and they were just, um, Coach Withke, who was the last coach to have a winning record, Western Michigan before that, came to Army, um, such a, became such a close friend and uh, still communicate with them, but really shared some nuggets. Um, coach K was up there for a book signing, and, and we spent about a half hour together and, you know, really shared some wisdom. And, and the phone call with uh, Dino Gaudio was just, it, again, these guys didn't know me at all. And mm-hmm. Dino Gaudio said, hey, Zach, really excited for you. Here's the opportunity. I've got about five things I was hoping you would call. And I've still got the wow. notes. And it, 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 that was just humbling, but so motivating that, that like, hey, man, it's hard, but we're all pulling for you and we think you can do it. And, and what did that mean? Did it mean get to the tournament? Did it mean um, get a winning record? They just wanted to see Army basketball have success. And each of them had had glimpses of it, and we were just trying to do the same thing. And you did have success at Army. I got it here. Uh, you're the, actually the only Army coach to win more than 15 games in four straight seasons. You and two guys you mentioned who were pretty good at what they did, Bobby Knight and Mike Krzyzewski, only coaches to win 65 games in your first five seasons. Was there a moment when you started to feel like we've, I don't want to say found the formula, but we've really got this thing going in the right direction and we, we can push this thing further? I, I don't know if there's a the moment, because I think when, if you stop too much to appreciate things, you lose your footing. Uh, Jimmy Allen uh, was one of the first coaches we hired uh, as an assistant coach. Jimmy um, played for a great coach uh, in Richard Johnson. And... Uh, was at Emory and Henry, was at uh, um, in the Hall of Fame at Avery University where he took a team that won zero games within three years, took them to the tournament. Um, so I was able to get a head coach, um, a previous head coach on the staff. He worked for Coach DeVoe at Navy. Coach DeVoe worked for Coach Knight at Army. So there was an instant service academy knowledge and understanding of how things need to operate. Um, they had Kevin App on the staff as well with Karan Barnes, who were guys that knew from our Cornell experiences as players. Um, but, you know, the, the question of did we get it, um, I, I, think, I think we kind of understood, hey, we got we to gotta use the prep school. We got to use these different things to our advantage. So I, I don't know if there was one moment, mm-hmm. um, but I felt really excited when we put that staff together. And, and I remember having Jimmy and Kevin on the same kind of recruiting visit and just said, hey, this is, this is the fantasy draft pick. These are, these are my first two picks. Mm-hmm. And if we can get you guys here, I think we could do something pretty special. And, and the goal all along was to make history. Make history. Whatever shape that took, uh, let's challenge this group to make history. And uh, just you think about it, and, and it's never going to be perfect. And we stumbled, and, and 
probably could have had a little more success early on if I had more experience or maybe I had listened more to those around me. But um, we ended up getting in the right direction and, and, you know, finished in the top part of the league. And, you know, there's a couple games that still make me a little queasy that, that we didn't come on the top, you know, on came out short on the short end of. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the the initial question, did we ever feel like it? I, I don't. I don't know if we felt like it, but I think we evolved to where we were pretty efficient in our recruiting to identify people that matched the academy's values mm-hmm. and our program's values to get in there and felt that they could be successful. A big part of that was having the right staff around and being mm-hmm. consistent with it. So seven years at Army before you come to Drexel. So now let's, you had the success at Army. Do you start thinking maybe there's another challenge or does this door open and you're like, Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. It's it's such a unique world that I, I I don't want to be a part of Um, I'm college basketball and I don't want to be um, jumping around from job to job. So uh, I think we had done enough that um, we could have and probably earned the right to stay at Mm -hmm. army for quite some time. Um, So it was going to need to be something very unique um, and we're, we're, we're coaches can can be nomads and move around and you know I've seen that and uh, it's not what I want to do for our family it's not what um, we want for my wife and our kids and so I think we've been fortunate to have is not a bunch of stops you got coaches that have been six schools in eight right. years and you know I, I just so it was if we were going to make a move it was going to be something that we felt we could dig into mm-hmm. and and have um, as long or maybe an even longer tenure um, than we had at Army. So and that's what we're trying to do. And we felt that um, Drexel was a place that you could do that. I assume that one of your first calls when the opportunity comes is to, to Steve because he's at Penn and kind of give you a feel for What's cooking in the city and and stuff like that? I, I don't I don't know that uh, you could state enough the, the impact that Coach Donahue's had um, on our family. Um, it, you know, to be someone who gave a young coach an opportunity to, to go to Cornell really didn't know me and was unproven to allow me the opportunity to be on the road and recruit, um, and then go to bat on our behalf to have the chance to be considered at Army. You know, he didn't have to do those things. We're about to be really good. He could have been a little more focused in his world and say, I, I want this to be con- let's have some continuity here all around. And he didn't do that. He was very selfless. And then I know that he had to have been involved in this process, being at Penn, uh, being in Philadelphia, uh, being connected to um, people that he knew as part of the committee. Uh, he had to have been involved, and uh, yeah, he, he's. Did I talk to him as the process was going? It was just learning. He was just really excited, like this could be awesome, and to think that it, you know where it started in Cornell and Ithaca, New York, and now that Coach Donahue, Coach Graham are at Penn, and we're here at Drexel, and it, it's it's you couldn't make it up. I say this to we've had several local coaches at all levels, and one of the things I love to dig into with them is just how special the Philadelphia basketball community is unlike anything I think 
anywhere. Were you familiar, other than with Coach Donahue, like kind of the fabric of the basketball in the city? Do you look back now that you're in and you're like, wow, you know, this, this was really something I got the opportunity to. What was your your knowledge of Philadelphia City basketball prior to to coming in? Uh, it was it was my only personal exposure, other than growing up and watching the games in Langton mm-hmm. tournament. It was being an assistant coach at Cornell, um, playing at the Palestra for the first time, and it's almost as I look back at it, I, I was so excited and, and young and not naive, but maybe just really wanted to take everything in. I remember coming down to play Penn, and it was like, oh man, we're in Philadelphia. Let's get a cheesesteak. And I now I think about it, like Coach Donnie, we literally went down to Pat Sergino's. Like that Thursday night we got here, we played Pan on a Friday. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would ever, like, if you want to go do that, go do it. But, like, he literally went down with me or with our staff, and we sat there and had a cheesesteak. Um, we didn't even go to D'Alessandro's. You know, <laughs> we took us down to Pats and Gino's. <laughs> he just kind of, he wanted to see or allowed us or allowed me personally to kind of have that experience and watched it. And, I, I you know, I remember, so that's, that was my exposure was to everything was Philadelphia mm-hmm. from Coach Donahue. And, and, but just going through it, um, walking into the palestra for the first time as an assistant coach, uh, going down, the, seeing the shot clocks back in the stands, um, walking down the bleachers for shoot-around, and having Fran Dunphy there was, was just mind-blowing um, that he would make time for that. Mm-hmm. And then they walk down there and, and him to, to greet us and they'd known each other forever, but to to say, hey, Zach, great to meet you, and, and that knew, knew our assistant coaches' names and, and took the time to meet us, um, it was just, he's so genuine. And that, you know, that's mm-hmm. Coach Dunphy, Coach Donnie, you worked for Coach Dunphy, Coach Langle and I, uh, Matt's the head coach at Colgate now, but we're in a similar roles at that time. And uh, it was just, you could tell, like, man, this is special walk in the palestra there. So that was some early exposure. So to be here and be a part of it now in a different role, um, there's not a day and there shouldn't be a day when you drive into Philadelphia. You know, we live six miles outside the, uh, six miles from Drexel's campus. Um, and uh, to drive in and to understand the opportunity you have to help lead one of these schools in Philadelphia in the history of Philadelphia basketball um, it's very humbling, but then you also realize how close knit it is. We're mm-hmm. all, everyone's involved and, and puts their time and effort into, um, coaches versus cancer. And it really is, um, an unbelievable cause. It's been so effective and touched so many lives. Um, but it's touched our lives and you sit down there just like we did the other day at the golf event and, uh, Ash is there and Ash used to work for Jay, right? Yep. Billy's there. Billy used to work for Jay. Um, you know, I'm there. I used to work for Coach Donahue, right? And Aaron's there. He used to work for Coach Dunphy. And, and you know, and Dr. Giannini was there at one point. And, you know, he was so helpful to me at one point. So it's a really special group. Uh, it's a tremendous honor. And I think every day you, you, you need to take a few minutes or a few seconds to reflect and kind of calibrate it. Listen, man, this is special. And you do, you absolutely go into work as motivated as you can to impact everyone around you in, in such as, as positive a way as possible so that they go out and do something in a more positive way too. Favorite part of being a head coach? 
Uh, I don't, I don't know. No, it's a good question that you should have emailed me ahead of time. I could could give you a better answer. Um, You know, I I would need to think about that one a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to think things in assistant coach. I just. um, Or also, well, why? Favorite part of being a coach in general. I I just love to see the progress. I love to see uh, a guy, you know, commit himself into the weight room and change his body. And how that body change gives him confidence and how that confidence allows him to take and make plays that maybe he couldn't do early on. And we're seeing guys on our own roster evolve right now. And you love to see the growth and you love to see uh, guys evolve and mature from, you know, making some silly freshman decisions to then having a voice and saying, don't do that. Those are things I, I like to see. And you kind of sit back and, or you say, man, that, that guy's, that guy's moving in the right direction. So uh, I love that. I love the I love the connection. I love to have that connection relationship. And maybe every situation you can't, but you want to try and reach guys as best you can so that whatever time you have with them, they're better off having come through. And uh, the goal is to have them uh, for four years and to have them be part of that climb. And uh, that's an amazing life lesson for those guys that stick with the process and come out the other side and have success. Um, on the court, and they get an elite degree at a place like Drexel. Uh, that's awesome. So that's, I would say that's got to be one of the favorite things. Of just initial reaction, but uh, I don't know if I have a favorite part of of doing that. I, I do love the idea of our children having a chance to be around athletics, like my wife and I were, and uh, have them. I'm excited for them to go on a road trip, um, just to experience um, that level of um, that level of commitment to, to something special. And final question, your journey is a really, really neat one. Do you ever take a step back and just think about the 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 road that you traveled and how you ended up here? Um, certainly you can. There are times to do that on the calendar. Um, you know, trying to have an operational calendar to keep me in the right mode at certain times. Uh, but I do think... Um, some time of reflection is helpful to motivate you. And mm-hmm. there's, there's every day on that drive in, like I was talking mm-hmm. about, you realize how, what an honor it is to be here. Um, but I think, uh, and this is one of the phrases you were talking about, did we feel like we were having success at army? This is a phrase that, uh, um, Jimmy Allen used to say and say, just cause you're on the right track. We might be on the right track, but if we slow down, you're going to get run over. And I'm looking at you right behind you, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. it is the train. But, like, you, you can be on the right track, but if you don't keep moving, you're going to get run over. So um, I think it's healthy to appreciate the journey, but you can't stop and feel too good or feel like you've done anything special at this point in time. We're trying to invest in our guys and evolve in some different ways to do that, uh, to help them um, to grow. So. Um, the answer is yes and no, but mostly no. And that might be, uh, you know, at a different time, mm-hmm. fishing on a boat um, uh, with my close friends or my dad or my brother and talk about some different things. But uh, I understand in the process how fortunate we are and what a blessing it is. And we just want to do the most with that and help as many people as we can along the way. Drexel men's basketball coach, Zach Spiker. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. 
And that will do it for this week's show. One on One is a sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Matt Leon1060. Thanks again to Drexel men's basketball coach Zach Spiker for stopping by the studio to talk and you can follow Zach Spiker on Twitter at coach underscore Spiker. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.